0: John chapter 15, starting in verse number one. I'm going to read down through 11. So, <clears throat> it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the, in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Everybody say abide in him. I am the vine. ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather to them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Amen. I want to just talk on this simple subject tonight. Abide in the Lord. Can we just lift our hands and ask him to speak to us through his words one more time? Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. There's power in your word, O Lord. Speak to us, O Lord, like only you can. We need you. We love you. Hallelujah. You are great and greatly to be praised. Abide in the Lord. Abide means to stay in a given relation or place of expectancy. It means to continue to endure. Amen. It has a little bit of action to it. It's not just abide. It's not just you stay close, but It's to stay in a relation or an expectancy, to continue. It even talks about enduring, to be present. And so this is kind of what the thought that I have tonight is for us to abide in God and in his presence. Because do you think that it's possible that we can abide in the house of God and not abide in God? It is. Amen. You think that we can abide in the word even and not abide in him? It is. I think so. And so that's the thought that I want. You know, it demands that you God's word, it demands a response. When we respond to God's calling, that's when we can find a place in him. And that's when we can abide in him. You know, the Bible talks about how... um There'll be in the last days, you know, the Lord will say, be judging people and and there's going to be a group of people that come up to him and say, Lord, have we not done great things in thy name? Have we not healed in thy name? And they're going to have that testimony, but he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Amen. So I think it is important for us to abide in the Lord in that state of expectancy. Every day that we get up, we need to be in that expectancy the, and the type of endurance in our life and to realize that God has something for me today. Amen? You believe that? That God wants to use me today. I don't want to just go through the motions. I just don't want to go through life, walking through life, just coming to Sunday morning, Wednesdays, Amen. Worshiping God just going out. I want to be abiding in the Lord. Hallelujah. And him using me in this world. Hallelujah. To reach this lost and dying world. But the word of God, it demands that response from us. We do it when we're first, you know, at the first initiation of salvation, we respond to that, but it never stops. And I think that as we In our daily private time and in our daily devotions, if we're listening, God's speaking. Amen. He's asking, He's demanding a response out of us. And that's where I want to lead us tonight in that thought. In James chapter 1 verse 18, it says, Of His own will begat He us with the word of truth that we would be the kind of first fruits of His creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Wouldn't we be a better place if we all took heed to that verse right there? <laughs> swift to hear, especially that slow to speak part right there, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of, the naughty, of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. The word of God is able to save our souls. That's how we know the way of salvation. But 22 says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forget it forgetteth what manner of man he was, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth, you continue on, you're going therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the what? Of the work. It's work. It's not just, you know, this is a battleship that we're on. Amen. It's not a love boat. It's a battleship we 're going some way this somewhere, this is work it 's involves something it 's going to take something of us. This man shall be blessed in his deed. so when God sets forth his commandments and the word of God is moving it 's not suggestions right it 's not the ten commandments or it 's not the ten suggestions, but it 's the Ten commandments. Amen. When Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, and the people were convicted in their hearts and said. You know, men and brethren, what must we do? What should we do? Peter didn't say, get up and say, well, if you, if you feel like it, repent and be baptized, right? He didn't say that. He said, but you need to repent, be baptized. And he said, every one of you, it's all inclusive. Every one of you need to do this. That's how the word of God speaks to us and demands a response from us. John, in this, uh, Portion of scriptures where he said I am the true vine He talks about The I am there's seven I am's that john uses throughout his books And john's purpose of writing the gospel We find it in john chapter 20 verse 31. It says these are written So that you may believe that jesus is the christ So that we might believe in him and that we might trust in him And that we might know exactly what it is and what it takes to abide in the Lord. When we look at the I am statements that he uses about Jesus, it gets its founding, if you will, from Exodus chapter number three and starting in verse number 11. Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? We all have that question in our minds and in our hearts. Who am I? He was saying, I don't have the ability. Who am I? We all have that. Uh, I think, you know, what keeps us from the doing the actual will of God is the fear of failure within us or the fear of the things that we have to face that are before us. And when we trust in God and put him forth first, that's when he's able to move. He said, who am I that I should do this? When God had asked Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to let his people go, God told Moses, I'm going to use you to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. And Moses was so insecure within himself. Who am I? And as we go about the day of uh, living our life, every day we have to ask that question, who am I? Amen. And we answer that question by simply saying, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the king. Amen. And why serve a God at all power in heaven and earth belongs to his name. Amen. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. We're the church. So we have that question. Who am I? And the Lord answered him in verse 12. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token or this shall be a sign to thee unto thee that the, I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt ye shall serve God upon this mountain now that just struck me when as as I was studying for this but it says you know what am I who am I what is going to happen and God just says I'm going to be with you and this is going to be a sign to you that after you've been brought forth out of Egypt after the fact you're going to worship in this mountain And that's how God works with us. We step out in faith. And when we do, that's when God moves. He didn't say, I'm going to do it this and this. He didn't give the explanation to him. He just said, when you trust in me, I'm going to be with you. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that the Lord never leaves us or forsakes us? He said, when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God in this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of our fathers have sent me unto you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? So Moses' first question really was, Who am I? And his second question was, Who are you? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, thus shall thou say unto the children of Israel, the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham and God of Isaac and the God of Jacob have sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generation. God reveals himself through his eternal name as the I am, the personal name of God, or Y-H-W-H, which is known as the Tagrammaton, I believe it is. Bishop knows that. He It means he is, he was, and he will be. It occurs more than 6,800 times in the Old Testament, used in different phrases as Lord, God. In some translations, it's used Yahweh because they add the A and the H, uh, A and the E to A-H-W-H to spell uh, Y-A-H-W-E-H, Yahweh or Jehovah. And it means, comes from the Hebrew word, what what that means, master, owner. And Jesus means Jehovah has become salvation. So if I confused you in any of that, you can see Bishop Myers on that. He has taught us that over the years, and that's why I know that. That they were afraid even to say their name. Is that right? They were afraid even to say his name, and so they just used the initials Y-H-W-H, and later they added the vowels of A and E to make Yahweh or Jehovah. And Jesus simply means Jehovah has become our Savior. And when God calls himself the I am in Exodus chapter 3, it's a pivotal point in the redemption history. God's revealing himself to his people, and it comes to redeem them out of bondage and lead them into new life. Hallelujah. That's what the Old Testament was. He was coming to reveal himself to them and to bring them out of bondage into new life. God's name discloses who he is, simply he is God. So that's the Old Testament. We fast forward into the New Testament, John chapter 8, verse 51. Jesus is speaking, verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my sayings, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and thou sayest, if a man keepeth my sayings, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who makest thou thyself? So they're asking Jesus the question here, who are you? Who do you make thyself? And Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing it is my father that honorth me of whom ye say that he is your god yet ye have not known him and he's speaking to the religious people of the day right he's speaking to those that should know the law that should know the word that should know about his coming amen and he's saying you have not known him but he said but I know him and if I should say I know him not I shall be a liar like unto you But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Art thou not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus makes this statement that I am. I am God. I am the manifestation of God to the flesh. In verse 59, they knew that part as much, right? Because the, the Pharisees and those that were around them knew that because in 59, they took up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. In John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus makes a statement. He said, I and my father and one. And then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them and said, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of these works do you stone me? Why are you stoning me? And the Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy because that thou being a man makest thyself God. Now I know I'm speaking to the choir tonight, but we need to understand that God Manifested himself and robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us and died for us the flesh he was all flesh and that's why we're able to have redemption that's why we're able to have victory over this life that's why we can have victory over sin because he conquered sin in the flesh amen Jesus Christ is the manifestation of God in the flesh. John brings this out so vividly in his whole gospel. And I just want to go over some of these I am's, the seven I am's that John records. He said, I am in John chapter six, verse thirty five. He said, I am the bread of life. Amen. The Jews that had followed him were following him because of the miracles. And they were even recently was the feeding of the five thousand But Jesus was trying to tell them that, you know, you've missed the reality behind them all. All this miracles is that you're just following me because of the miracles. But he's saying that in reality, I am God. He said, I'm offering you the bread of life. I'm offering you a deeper walk. You just don't need the physical things and we come to God and it's good to pray for God for the things that we need. But God is saying, that's not really what I'm here for. I'm here as the bread of life. I want to give you nourishment for your soul. I want to bring something that gives you a deeper satisfaction a deep, uh, the deeper longings of our soul. Not just the superficial, not just the outside things, and I'm thankful for all of God's provisions. But I want a deeper walk with God. I want to abide in the Lord and I know you do too because this old world is going to pass away my friends the things that we possess they're going to fail they're going to wear out they're going to also pass away someday and the people that he was talking to at that time they said we you know we want manna from heaven Uh, John chapter 6 verse 27 it says labor labor not for meat with perisheth but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. If you're going to labor for something, labor for this meat called Jesus Christ. If you're going to seek after something with all of your heart and all of your mind, labor for the Lord who is this bread from heaven. Hallelujah. This bread of life. I want the bread of life. And they were even in uh, verse 30, they were saying, you know, so uh, show us a sign just like our fathers had manna come down from heaven, we want a sign. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. He was trying to let them know it's not about calling manna down from heaven, but I've got something that goes deeper than that for you in your walk with the Lord. If you read that chapter 6, and it gets pretty intense. And Jesus finally comes out and says, you know, if you want to be my disciples, you're going to have to eat my flesh and you're going to have to drink my blood. That's what he told them. And they were kind of taken back from that. And in verse 66, it says, and from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with them. He was bringing them into a deeper walk. He's saying, you want something more than just going through the motions. You want more than something, more than you're just going to have to eat me up. You're going to have to eat my body. And we know that It's talking about his death and the, and the blood that was spilled. And we remember that every first of the month when we take communion here. And that's where we remember his death and his blood and his flesh dying for us. Amen. But we realize that he's desiring to give us this bread. Hallelujah that gives us not just a temporary provision, but an eternal provision. And so, folks, that's why we're able to face the troubles and the trials that come into this life when it seems like our provisions are just not quite enough. It seems like things just aren't going the right way in our lives. We know that even though it may look bleak here, God's got everything in control. And this world is not our home. We're just passing through we're pilgrims and we have to be reminded of the fact that he said in this world You're going to have tribulation He said but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah I want to go to the next one, which is in john chapter 8 verse 12. He says I am the light Of the world We need the light to guide us as we walk As we walk forward, not as we stay stagnant, but as we move forward, amen. And he says, when you walk in the light, in my white light, he says, you become the light of the world. And that's what we're supposed to do. Matthew chapter five, verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. He says, let your lights uh, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We have to have a relationship with God. We have to have uh, abode with God. We need to abide in him so that we can have the, the light of Jesus Christ shining forth out of us to this lost and dying world. When we abide in him, that's when the world sees that there's something different about us. Amen. This light is a great thing that God has given unto us. And I I want to leave my testimony here. I've uh, grew up, I've always had bad eyesight. Um, if you know anything about uh, vision, I was nearsighted and I was minus 12. And that means... About 20, instead of being 2020 vision, I'm 2021, 20, 2100 vision. In other words, if you're standing 2100 feet away from an object, I would have to be 20 feet away from that same object to see what you're saying. Two and a half football fields back, we're looking at the same object, we're seeing the same thing. I've had terrible eyesight ever since I was eight years old. It's been corrected over the years through uh, contact lenses and glasses. And so I've been able to have 20-20 vision through uh, uh, corrected vision. But it's always been just a hassle. You wake up at night. Every morning I put on, how many knows what it's all about? You put on your glasses, you you wake up, you can't see well. Last year, it was getting worse, and I couldn't hardly see, and it was, there was always this haze around. I finally made it to the eye doctor, and she came in after the examination. She says, I got good news for you. She says, you've got cataracts, and I thought within myself, how is that good news? And uh, and she says, well, what we can do is, she says, we can go in and slit the eye there, and we take a little vacuum. We suck up that cataract that's developing out of there, and we can slide another uh, lens in there, and you'll be able to see. I said, oh boy, that sounds like a lot of fun. Slip my eyes, and it's kind of makes you feel a little anxious when when you're having that done, and I know many of you have had cataract surgery, but for me, when I came out of that cataract surgery, it was almost like a miracle. I had this eye, and I could see I could see 2020 out of my right eye with no help of a lens, no help of any other uh, contacts or anything. And the left eye, they weren't going to do it till the next week. And the, when I put my, uh, would put my hands over my different eyes, the left eye, I couldn't believe how dull and yellow and hazy and clouded over it was compared to the right eye, which they had just done, and I could see. Like I can see, I can read that clock back there. And I had trouble last year even reading the clock back there. I can see your all's faces, how beautiful you all are. Amen. I also realized I got more gray hair than I thought I had. And some of you have less gray hair than I thought you should have. Let that sink in for a minute. But it, and then they did the other eye. And the left eye is, is, uh, not quite the same. It's 20, 30, but to me, it's like, I'm good. <laughs> I can see. I get up in the morning and I don't have to, to, uh, put on contacts. I don't have to put up, find my glasses, search for my glasses. I can, it's really hasn't even sunk in yet. Every night I think about, I gotta take out my contacts before I go to bed. I ever think about it. Every morning when I wake up, I realize, I can see. I can see across the room. I can see what's going on. So I thank God for that. God is good. I give God all the glory for that. And it's a great thing to be able to see. But it doesn't compare to Wednesday, October the 17th, 1979, almost 44 years ago when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I remember the spiritual light being turned on. And I don't know if you know, uh, have seen it so vividly as I did, but it's almost the same thing. It's reminded me these cataract removals has reminded me of that receiving the Holy Ghost. I remember having an understanding of what was all about. I know what it's like to lay on your bed at night and to to uh, not know what's you know what life is all about and wondering what uh, there's no hope. Just and you just drink yourself to bed every night so that you don't have to face reality. And when God filled me with his presence, hallelujah, there was a light that went off in my soul. Amen. This old body is going to waste away. They told me now, as you get older, the, the retina will still deteriorate and you may need some reading glasses and glasses later on. And I said, I realize that this is just the old flesh. But the spirit it's not getting any worse. It gets better and better and better and better. You keep abiding in God, you start seeing clear and clear and clear and clear the things of God, amen? And when I first got into the church, my family was all (coughs) upset, and they even went to our pastor, of that another domination at that time, and said, we think he's in a cult, and uh, we think there's something wrong with him. And he said, don't worry about it. He said, "Over time, that uh, enthusiasm and that excitement it'll wear off. But I thank God it hasn't worn off. It's only gotten better and better and better." God is good. Hallelujah! And He is the light of the world. Praise God! And I'm so thankful that He found me and He's shown the light upon me in my life and. This light of the gospel is just a glorious thing. I don't ever want to take it for granted. And I want to abide in him. I've had this burden to draw closer to the Lord and to get closer to God. And to realize that this world, the older you get, the more you realize this world doesn't have anything to offer. I want everything that God has for me. Amen. John chapter 10 in verse 7 and then verse 11, he does a couple more. He says, I am the door. And he said, I am the good shepherd. Amen. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the door. He's what we can walk into. We can find safety. We can find shelter. He's going to protect us. He has not come to scatter us, but he's come to gather the sheep. Hallelujah. He doesn't want to devour us. He doesn't want to destroy us, but he's come to defend us. Hallelujah. Jesus comes to seek out, to rescue, to heal, and to feed the sheep. Amen? He comes to seek out, to rescue, to heal, and to feed the sheep. And if you're feeling a little discouraged, or if you're feeling a little lost tonight, I want you to know that Jesus is here, and he's come to seek out, to rescue, to heal, and to feed, hallelujah, you. God is desiring to have a relationship with you. And he proved all this by this simple fact. That he gave his life for the sheep. No greater love is there than that someone would lay down their life for another person. And that's what our Lord did. He laid down his life for us. The the other one found in John chapter 11 verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He's the second Adam, if you will. The first Adam brought death. Amen. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ, has brought a resurrection and life. Hallelujah. God desires for each and every one of us to have life and that everlasting. Hallelujah. When he was in this portion of scripture in John chapter 11, it's about Lazarus and and his dying. And it's such an interesting story, you know, where they send message to Jesus, Lazarus is dead and and he says, or Lazarus is sick and he's at the point of death. And Jesus said, okay. And he tarried where he was for another, I think it was three days before he even went to see him. And, and he went, he finally went, you know, and nobody's understanding why he's not getting there quicker. You know, this is your friend. This is Lazarus. And, you know, and they even, they all begin to say, you know, if you had been here, Lazarus finally dies. And I think it was Mary that said, if you'd been here, my my brother would not have died. And he said, your brother's going to live again. And she said, I know he's going to live again in the resurrection. I know he's going to. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. God is desiring, hallelujah, to do a great work in our lives. He wants you to live a resurrected life. He doesn't want you to be down and out. Sick and weakly, he desires for you to have life within you. And he says, I am the life, that resurrection and the life. He said also in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. Jesus is telling us simply that there is nowhere else to turn, folks. There's nowhere else to look. You can stop your journey if you're searching for anything. It stops at Jesus Christ, amen? Or it starts at Jesus Christ, however you want to look at it. It's all in him. It's all in Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. Hallelujah. The only life. The only truth. Amen? It's all in him. And we just simply need to abide in him and to trust in him. And he'll be all these things to us because he is God manifested in the flesh. And finally, we get to the one that we've read here in John chapter 15. I am the true vine. Jesus speaks of a vine. mean, it's a common Old Testament sy- uh, symbol for the uh, Israel people. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Now will I sing to my beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it, gathered out the stones thereof, planted it with the choicest vine, built a tower in the midst of it, also made a wine press therein, and looked that it should bring forth grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O oh, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done it, done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. He's saying, what more could I do for you? What more could I have done for this vineyard? And we need to realize that Jesus has done all the work. He's went to Calvary. He, he died for our sins. He's paid the way for us. There's nothing more that he can do for us. All we have to do is simply attach to him and to abide in him. Amen. <clears throat> he said, and now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof. It shall be eaten up. I'll break down the wall thereof and it shall be trotted down. And I will lay it waste and it shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. And I will and I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but he but behold oppression and for righteousness, but behold a cry. God is looking for something. It's the same in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of, of the New Testament is, is the fulfillment of those types and shadows and things. And Jesus saying that I am the true vine in John chapter 15 is just letting us know that he is that true vine that we need to attach ourselves to. So if there is a true vine, it also tells us that there could be a false vine. Amen. We have to realize that it's only Jesus and it's in Jesus. every branch verse two john I'm in John fifteen now, every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. So every branch that doesn't bear fruit, we are uh commanded, if you will, to bear fruit. We need to show some fruit in our lives, amen. And fruit, the bearing of fruit in the natural, it is natural. And if we just abide in God, the bearing of fruit in our lives becomes natural. It's just a natural process of being close to the Lord. And so he said, if you're not bearing fruit, it taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. And that's what we don't like. We don't like the purging, the pruning, or if you will, the cleansing. He goes through the vineyard. He goes and he clips the branches, and they may be even healthy uh, branches. He has to clip some of them back so that it can produce more fruit, and sometimes we go through that purging process of what God has for us, but if we want to draw nigh to God, hallelujah, we need to allow him to do his work in our lives. Amen. To purge means to prune or to cleanse and verse 3 tells us now are you clean through the word which i have spoken unto you abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except to divide in the vine no more can ye except you abide in me i am the vine you are the branches he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit For without me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing on our own, folks. We can't just go through the motions. We can't try to exist in the church without God. Amen? And I know that seems like an obvious statement, but I think sometimes we find ourselves doing that, going through the motions, just attending church, just trying to do uh, the right things. But Jesus is saying, I want you to abide in me to bring forth much fruit and to realize that without him, without Jesus in our life, we can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. And so this is part of the point that I'm trying to bring forth. In verse two, it says, every branch that beareth fruit, he purges, so you're bearing fruit, so that it brings forth more fruit, right? So you got fruit and then you got more fruit. And in verse five, it says the same, bringeth forth much fruit. So he's wanting us to grow in our production Of our fruit, we should have fruit naturally. We should produce more fruit. And then he says, much fruit. As we grow in him, there should be some production of fruit in our lives. Verse 9 says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. God loves us. Do you believe that tonight? God loves us. And his mercies are extended to us. Do you believe that? I think we, I run across a lot of people that are, have a hard time believing that God loves them. God loves us. Hallelujah. He died for us. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. To forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can get it under the blood. Hallelujah. You can get all your mistakes, all your problems, all your trials under the blood. He loves us. And he wants that fruit of love to be also produced in us. Kind of like Joseph. When we look at the life of Joseph and his walk, and most of us would have given up in a long time uh, way before Joseph uh, ever got into the final dungeon. He went through a lot in his life, right? He had a vision from God. He had a call of God in his life. And he went through all the problems and people lying on him, people, his own brothers sold him and then lying to him, then people forgetting about him in, in the dungeon. And finally, he was brought forth and God used him in a mighty way. But his brothers, his greatest example that Joseph had was that he extended forgiveness to his brothers, loved his brothers. We need to have a love for the brothers and sisters of the church. Amen. He says, this is how all men are going to know that you're my disciples and that you have love one to another, hallelujah. He wants us to know that he loves us and that we're to show that love. That's what it is, to show the love of God, this lost and dying world. He said, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the joy of the Lord? It doesn't matter what you're going through. Uh, It's not—it's different from happiness. We know this. We talk about it all the time. But happiness uh, depends on your circumstances, right? You can have your car break down and you're not happy about it. And then you can be given a bonus at, at work and then you're happy and you're back up and then you can go down and up and down and up and that's happiness is determined by the by the circumstances in our life but the joy that god gives us he says that your joy might remain full we can have the joy of the lord hallelujah the psalmist said in 16 verse 11 that will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy And at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. We need to continue to abide, folks, in the Lord and just to let him move in our lives. Amen. To realize that he desires for us to have joy, the fullness of joy. Hallelujah. If we'll abide in him, if we if we separate ourselves or if we pull away from him and we don't walk fully with the Lord, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. That's when we all the troubles and trials of life can begin to pour down upon you. And you look at all the circumstances that are around you. But when you're abiding in God, it really doesn't matter. Amen. It does circumstances matter. And I know circumstances and problems are very difficult. I don't want to diminish any of those things. But when we have God within us, what greater joy can we find? Amen. What greater hope is there? Jesus is coming back for his church. We just need to keep our eyes set upon the eastern sky. He's coming back. Hallelujah. We need to be busy about the work, not just being satisfied with going through the motions, not just being satisfied with just going through the same old things and even actually ministry in our lives, not just satisfied with some of the ministry we have. We we need to have a desire to step up. We said earlier that it's, God confronts us with his word. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He's admonished Tim. I think it was Paul that admonished Timothy to stir up the gift, stir it up. We can let it get dormant. We can let it get settled in our lives, but we need to stir it up. One place it says it's high time to wake out of sleep for now is our salvation near than when we first believed. It's time to wake up, get out of sleep. Amen to move on and allow the lord to move for us. And Jesus was praying for his disciples in Luke chapter 21, I believe it was Luke or John chapter 17, verse 15. It says, "I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil." We're going to be in this world. This world's going in the wrong direction but God's not wanting us to take us out of this world. He want, He's just going to keep us from the evil that's in this world. You can trust God. He's going to be your bread of life, your light. Hallelujah. He's going to be everything that you need, and he's going to keep you from the world. And in, the, uh, in um, Luke chapter 17 and verse 5, the apostles said unto him, increase our faith. And he goes and gives them this, whole parable about a servant plowing and feeding cattle they come in from the hill and from in from the field by and by and you go to sit down with them at dinner and you'll say make me ready the, the master will say make ready uh, so that i can sup and then you can gird yourself and then you can serve yourself and in verse number nine of that chapter says doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him He said, I think not. There's certain things that are commanded us in the word of God. Those are the things that we are, that we should be doing, right? Those are the things that we, and should we receive thanks? He said, I think not. We shouldn't realize, we shouldn't think that we should be commended just by doing the things that are in the word of God. But when we step out, hallelujah, it actually even said we are unprofitable servants we have done that which was our duty to do. Amen. So there's certain things that we're required to do. And we find the joy of the Lord and all those things and God's blessings and all those things. But when we really abide in him, when we just put ourselves totally in him and seek after him, and that's where God can really begin to use us and to mold us and to shape us. If we're willing to sacrifice. Amen to become that living sacrifice that Romans 12 talks about, presenting ourselves a living sacrifice, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed. It's a process. It's something that's not always easy or fun, but it's when we begin to abide in him, that's when God can really begin to use us. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the power of God in our lives, for what he's doing in our lives? Let's all stand tonight. amen amen i just invite everybody to the front five minutes early six minutes early just come to the front tonight and seek the lord and say lord i want to be close to you i want to be closer to you than i've ever been before draw me near to you lord speak to me through your word let me know what you desire for me to do God, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. And God, <clears throat> we just desired a closer walk with you. Help us to abide in you. Help us, oh Lord, to have that relationship and that expectancy. And God, to realize, oh Lord, that it's sometimes it's endurance. And help us, oh God, to be willing to sacrifice, oh God, this old flesh, this old world, oh Lord, For the things of God, this is your church. We are your body of people, oh God. And bind us together, oh Lord, with cords that cannot be broken. We desire to see a great revival in these ending days and to see you move through us like never before. I pray that your hand is going to move across this congregation in healing and power, oh Lord. Jesus, we love you and believe in you and we trust in you, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst. We love you, Lord. We praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, you are great, oh Lord. Remove fear. Help us to realize that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Let our faith increase to step out and to do the things that you desire, that you're calling us into a higher walk a higher relationship with you, O God. Help us to develop our prayer life and our word study, O God. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We praise you. Give us a love, O Lord, and a compassion, not only for our brothers and sisters, but help us, Lord, to love this world like you loved us. Help us, O God, to realize that they're lost and undone without you. Our only hope is in you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. Glorify you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We praise your name. You are great and greatly to be praised.